You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. So if you grab your Bibles, you can join me there. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 9 and 14 through 23. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless, their hand, unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Verse 14, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Hello to everyone uh, joining us today for home worship. And getting right into our passage today, we see a confrontation between Jesus and the spiritual leaders of the time regarding the ritual washing, the ritual cleansing. And the Jewish people had hundreds of of rituals, hundreds of regulations that had to do with diet and ways to keep themselves clean. And they were really important to the people of God. They acted like this visual aid of sorts to show to one another and to the world who was cleaned up for God, who belonged to God. And the regulation addressed here this morning in our text has to do with washing your hands before you eat. And it's a practice we're really familiar with as it relates to hygiene, of course. And for them, it was much more than hygiene. But we understand it. It's not a totally foreign idea. In business restrooms, you go into the store or restaurants, employees must wash hands before returning to work. And now, of course, we are very familiar with many practices of hygiene to keep ourselves clean. Wash hands, use hand sanitizer, don't touch your face, uh, stay six feet apart, cover your, uh, wear a face mask, uh, cough into your elbow, And if you do sneeze, then you have to convince everybody that it's just allergies, right? Well, for the Jews at the time, these rituals were not merely for hygiene. It was a way of getting cleaned up for God. 
It was a way of showing to the world who belonged to God. It, it was an, a visual aid for being spiritually and morally pure. And when it comes to these sorts of regulations and these sorts of purity rituals, it may seem like a foreign thing to us. We wash for hygiene. We don't wash for moral purity. And so it seems like it would be irrelevant for us today. But actually, this passage and this concept is profoundly relevant for us today. And I want to help explain that by, by asking this question. How do you attempt to get cleaned up for God? How do you attempt to present yourself to God as one who is morally, spiritually pure? Maybe this scenario will help. What, what happens to your heart when you see somebody doing or saying or acting in such a way really about anything that you think is just careless, infuriating, or even idiotic. I'll give you a topic, since it's a popular topic for our day today. How do you feel when you see somebody walking into a grocery store or a crowded public place not wearing a face mask? How do you feel when you see that? Or how do you feel when you do see somebody wearing a face mask or telling you that you should wear a face mask if you enter a premise when you don't think it's necessary? Are there evil thoughts? Is there hatred? Is there slander, right? Cutting someone down, cutting their character down with your words. Is there gossip? Is there pride? Any sense of feeling that, that they are cowards or dumb or irresponsible and, and they need to do what you are doing. A sense of feeling better because you are doing the right thing, whatever that right thing is. Is there foolishness, as our passage says, possibly acting in a way that is based on limited or flawed information? Do you blast them on Facebook, right? Vent to your neighbor or to your spouse. Can you believe that they're doing this? Can you believe that they're not doing this? Are people who wear masks cowards? Are people who do wear masks responsible? Are they good Samaritans? Well, see, it all depends on what you believe is right. What is the thing that you do or don't do that you are tempted to think that you're a little bit more cleaned up for God. In so many different ways and in so many different areas of life and in so many different forms, we can tend to drift into this very dangerous territory where we begin to pretend and to perform for God. This is a way for us to become morally and spiritually cleaned up for God. And the religious leaders were doing it in their time, and we can do it in ours. You see, Jesus is asked a very simple question by the Pharisees. Why don't your disciples wash their hands before dinner? And Jesus says, his answer, you see, is takes it to a whole nother level. He says... Why do you forsake what God has told you to do and embrace what he has given you freedom to do? He says, you know, the prophet Isaiah was right about you. 
You honor God with your lips. On the outside, you get cleaned up. You do good things. So others will see you and say, that's a good, morally good, and spiritually good person. But on the inside, your heart is far from me. Jesus wants the Pharisees to know that it's possible to do good things and to do even beneficial and healthy things, but there is no amount of following regulations or even rejecting regulations that is capable of healing the disease in their heart from which all of these reactions flow. All of these reactions of pride and hatred and slander and gossip and foolishness and evil thoughts for others. And this is a far weightier issue, Jesus tells them. A far, radi- uh, far weightier issue. What is going on in your heart when people do things that you don't like that they do is far more important than the act itself. And I don't want to hear a rebuke like this from Jesus. I doubt you want to hear it as well. The rebuke that says your lips honor me in what you say or what you do on the outside, but your heart is far from me. That I do not want to hear. And that's why Jesus speaks to us today. Jesus speaks to us. We hear his voice. This series is called Jesus Speaks, and we want to hear what he says. And through his word, he says to us in verse 14, hear me, all of you, and understand. So Jesus is about to teach. He's about to expose and maybe make us a little uncomfortable, but he's going to teach us. He's going to give us wisdom. He's going to tell us something very important that we need to hear so that we can also avoid this rebuke. Here's what he wants us to understand. He wants us to understand a few things. First, we cannot speak for God where he doesn't speak for himself. He wants us to understand that doing good things doesn't make us good people, and doing bad things doesn't make us bad people. I'll unpack that a little bit. And then, lastly, the only way to truly be clean before God. He shows us that. Well, first of all, let's jump in. We we must never speak, we cannot speak for God where he doesn't speak for himself. Several times in this passage, Jesus rebukes the spiritual leaders for their traditions. He's not against tradition. He's not against um, man-made practices. He obviously observed many many of them throughout his life and ministry. But here's an example of how the Pharisees created traditions and substituted these traditions for God's commands. You see, God's people were commanded to rest on the Sabbath as a way of honoring God's command. And so they were to rest from their work. And so the religious leaders thought, well, if this is a good command that we should not work on the Sabbath, they took it a step further. You see, they were commanded to not till the ground because that was work. That was hard labor. So no farming, no planting, no tending to the crops. And so they took it so far, they said, you know, you're allowed to spit on the Sabbath. You can spit on the ground. But if you spit on the ground and you take the toe of your sandal and rub it into the ground, that is a form of tilling the soil and turning over the soil. And so that is work. So that was unlawful for them to do. You could spit, but you couldn't rub it into the ground. You would be a lawbreaker. 
To use the example in our passage today, the, the example of hand washing. It's true that in God's word in the Torah, the priests were commanded to wash, to go through this ceremonial washing before uh, preparing food and pre- uh, preparing a, the, the sacrifice of food to God at the altar. And so the religious leaders thought, well, if it's good for them to wash, let's expand this command to all people, all of God's people. And therefore, every single one of us, before we come to eat or prepare food, should wash our hands. You see, it wasn't a hygiene issue. It was an issue of holiness and being clean before God. And they had built up hundreds of these regulations as Jesus exposes. says, you do this, you do many other things just like this over two centuries. And they created a a man-made structure or traditions for God's people that described an agenda for God's people for how they were to be people who could know that they were clean before God, that they were holy before God, that they were good in the eyes of God. Here's the problem with these traditions. They were constructed in such a way that to the people receiving them, it really sounded like this is what God said. They were passed down through this oral tradition of all of these laws and rules and regulations. And it sounds like, well, that sounds like a reasonable thing to do. And so the people attempted to obey these things, even though God never said it. And when they were hearing these commands from the leaders... And attempting to obey these things, Jesus was rebuking them because he's saying, in attempt to obey these commands, you're actually distorting and distracting from the very things that God has said. And so adding to God's word is even worse than subtracting from it. Because when you add to God's word and say, this is what it really means to be holy, by doing all of these things and making yourself outwardly look good, You are distracting people from the heart of God's law, which teaches us that we are only clean when we are clean on the inside. We get to that further in a minute. This is what it means to be legalistic. This is what it means to be a Pharisee in the worst sense possible. You ever heard of that word? legalism, to be legalistic, it's never used as a compliment, right? We, we want to avoid that. It's a derogatory word. When you confront someone and say you're being legalistic, you're saying to someone that they're not doing a good thing. It means to make people feel that they're doing wrong when God has never said that they are wrong. Jesus uses the harshest words for people who do this. He calls them Hypocrites, literally actors and pretenders, those who, no pun intended, wear a mask to pretend that they are better. They pretend to speak for God, but actually what they're doing is they are speaking against God because they are distracting from the intention of God's law. And that's the irony of legalism, isn't it? The irony of legalism is this, when you are a legalistic person, when you take the letter of God's law and you expand it beyond where he has expanded it, you actually feel like you are doing a good and right thing. It feels like you're actually better and holier and you are more clean before God. It gives the impression to yourself and to a watching world 
that you are being more faithful, more fully obedient, but we're actually being less faithful, less obedient, because we are losing sight of what God has actually called us to do and what he desires for us to see as an application and obedience in the law. Why did the Pharisees leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men? Why did they do this? What was their motivation as Jesus exposes this in them? Well, for the same reasons that we do, the same reasons that we love to be legalists. Because it's easier to wash our hands than to love our enemies. It is easier to write a check than to ask for forgiveness. It is easier to memorize scripture than it's to show grace to a person who is being reckless and irresponsible. You see, it's so much easier to be a legalist. You think it's hard work, right? It's hard work to keep all these laws. Well, it's hard work, but it's even harder to let God transform your heart. It's harder to show grace and mercy to people that are intolerable. The temptation to speak for God and to his word is not unique to the Pharisees. We struggle with this every day as Christians. And that's why when people say, this is what must be done. This is what has to happen. This is the right thing to do as a Christian. All Christians should do this, or all Christians should not do this. This is the right way to act. That is why it's so difficult when we hear these things from people, fellow Christians, and from the world. It is that time we need to take a step back and hold God's word closely to our heart. And asking ourselves, does God say this is what must be done? Does God say this is what makes you right in his eyes? Does God say this must be avoided in order to be clean before him? We must be very careful to speak where God does not speak. Because when we attempt to speak where he speaks... It's possible we're actually leading people away from God's heart. So Jesus wants us to understand that legalism distorts God's word. It distracts us truly from hearing his voice and his heart and what he desires to say. And then he moves on further, explaining this point further. In so many words, I paraphrase, and then I'll get into explaining what Jesus says. Doing good things doesn't make you a good person, and doing bad things doesn't make you a bad person. Look again at verse 15. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him that can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. He's still talking about hygiene. No, he's not talking about hygiene. That's clear. Here's what he's saying. Doing a good thing doesn't make you good. Doing a bad thing doesn't make you bad in God's eyes. Why is that? Because the problem is not in our behavior, but it is in our heart. Jesus explains this in a graphic illustration. It's really graphic. If you eat some bad food, it doesn't make you bad. 
Doesn't make you a bad person. Goes into your stomach, you chew it up, it goes into your stomach, and then it goes into the toilet, right? Do you eat some good food? Honored to God and dedicated to God. Does it make you a good person? No, it, same thing. You chew it up in your mouth, it goes down into your stomach, it's digested in your intestines, and then it goes into the toilet. No bad food or good food ever enters into your heart. It doesn't change who you are. Do you see the list that Jesus gives? Really a big range here. Evil thoughts? Hatred? Do you see these things? Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within. These are the things that defile a person. This is what makes a person defiled. It's not in what they do or the behavior. It's, it's from where it stems. It comes from a heart that is filthy. Pharisees look at Jesus and the disciples and say, you see, they are what's wrong in this world. If they would just comply if they would wash their hands, if they would act properly, then they would contribute to all that is good in the world. You ever see a person doing something and you say, you see right there that person, that's what's wrong with the world. I'll give you a moment to think about that. I'm sure you've done it. I have done it, sometimes jokingly, sometimes not jokingly. See that person texting in the car? That's what's wrong with this world. People like that. See that person wearing that mask, just covering their mouth and not their nose? People like that. That's what's wrong with this world. That's why this world is broken. See that person wearing that Arizona Sun Devils shirt? That's what's wrong with this world. I believe that's somewhere in the Bible, actually. Now, it's easy to look at the criminal it's easy to look at the criminal and say, he is what's wrong with the world. She is what's wrong with the world. Stop doing that and the world will be fixed. Stop doing that and, and the world be, will be at peace. If everyone just does the right thing, then everything will be better. How many times have you looked at the world around you and thought to yourself, if people just act responsibly, if people just think of others, if people just treat others with respect and decency, if people just stop hating others, then the world would be better. You're saying exactly what the Pharisees said when they looked at the disciples and say, why don't your disciples wash their hands? Don't they know? They are what's wrong with the world. You know, we often fail to see and what Jesus aims to expose is that we all have a part in what makes the world a miserable and broken place. And this is the powerful point that Jesus is making. You don't defeat the disaster of sin by separating yourself from sinful people sinful places, or sinful experiences. Now, that may be a very good thing to do, 
but it will never eradicate the sin problem because the problem isn't outside. The biggest problem in the world is racism. Then all that we need to do is to remove all the racists and everything will be better. If the biggest problem in the world is people who don't wear masks, then if everyone wears a mask, we'll all be good people. If the problem is Democrats or Republicans or criminals or police brutality, if the problem at its core is just behavior, then Jesus doesn't need to come. He never needs to come and die for us. He never needed to come and to preach the good news. He never needed to come to preach repentance. He never needed to come to to bring and to proclaim the kingdom of God. All he needed to do was to preach decency. But that is not what he has come to preach. He has come to preach that the problem is us. It's deep in our hearts. And we will never understand our, our daily struggle with sin and temptation We'll never truly understand what makes us feel unbroken and unclean before, or broken and unclean before God. We'll never truly understand why we wake up and feel defeated before the day even begins until we grasp that sin is a heart problem, not a behavior problem. It always manifests in behavior, right? From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart is a fountain that overflows into behavior. But just as Jesus says, it it grows in the heart. Behavior doesn't get rid of self-centeredness. Behavior doesn't get rid of, of being obsessed with doing the right thing in order to be a right and good person. Reading in Paul Tripp's daily devotion, New Morning Mercies, I came across this quote. Here's what he writes. Jesus calls us to humbly admit that the biggest danger to each of us is not the sin that lurks outside us, but the iniquity that still resides in our hearts. Once you admit this, you begin to get excited about God's grace in Jesus Christ If your biggest problem lives outside of you, you don't really need grace. You just need situational or relational change. If you think your environment is your problem, you won't esteem grace. But once you admit that you're your biggest problem, you will celebrate the grace that rescues you from you. So where do you go to grace? Where do you go for grace? Where do you go To get truly clean. Jesus finally leads us there as well. The only way to be truly clean. There's a commercial in the 80s. uh, To all my 80s friends out there. And it's basically the commercial that claimed that you can be clean on the outside. But really still have this this soap scum or residue on your skin left behind by inferior soaps. And so this soap company, Zest, it could get you fully clean because it can wash off what everything else leaves behind. And of course, the tagline, you're not fully clean unless you're 
zestfully clean. Thank you very much. Follow along with me. And then that awkward moment where that person pulls the towel in front of themselves. Jesus wants us to hear and understand. He says, hear all of you and understand this critical point when it comes to the nature of our hearts. The mess outside our lives and, and, and what everyone is doing and the mess of our culture and of worldliness is not as bad as the mess inside. Do you believe that? Can that be true? Can it really be true that you're the problem? That I'm the problem? And no amount of behavior or keeping up with rituals can change your heart? No amount of, 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 of uh, walking in uh, traditions, no amount of following regulations can fix that? We need something that can go far deeper than we can. That can clean us where everything that we have done has at best just left behind a slimy residue of defilement and sin. And for that, we need the grace of God. We need the grace of Jesus. The clue of this act of grace is found in verse 19. It's really this parenthetical addition or edit that Mark puts into this passage in the midst of Jesus' teaching. So Jesus teaches, and then Mark creates this parenthetical explanation. Let me read that again. You could look again at this in verse 19. Jesus in 18, starting there, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Here's what Mark says. Thus he declared all foods clean. What does that mean? Mark adds this for his readers and for us to know what is going on. And it's much more than Jesus just saying, from this day forward, eat whatever you want. Right? Yay, bacon, right? Yes, this is great. Thank you, Jesus, for this passage. Now we can eat bacon. We can eat ham. We can eat whatever we want. There's something else going on. Mark is pointing us back to the purpose of the dietary laws and how Jesus is the only one who can make us clean. Mark is explaining why this is important. You know what the purpose was of the dietary laws? Well, it was to train God's people in holiness. It was. It was to train them, to train them to understand a, a deeper and more important reality of how God promised to make us clean. You see, he's, he gave them all of these rituals externally to be a symbol and a sign that pointed them to a far greater cleanliness that only God can accomplish in our heart. It was to point us to the promise of God's prophets that said, one day God will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He will wash you beyond what you, where you can wash yourselves. He will give you a clean heart. It was the very thing that David cried out for in Psalm 51. He says, God, clean me, purge me, wash me. Take all the sin that is in my heart. In the quiet place I seek you, in the inward place I seek you. He says, you won't, you, won't, you won't love me if I give a sacrifice to you or follow a ritual or follow a law. I need you to do something deeper in my heart that only you can do. And so Mark is pointing us to this reality, the purpose of the dietary laws. 
And the laws were like a babysitter until our parents came home. The laws were a babysitter, comes to our house in the absence of our parents to watch over the kids. And what happens when mom and dad come back home? Well, the babysitter has to leave, right? That's the whole point. It would be strange if the babysitter, obviously they linger sometimes, but um, they have to leave. They have to go home. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, everything, all of these laws and regulations was to point you to a means of your cleanliness and your cleaning that only God can do. And now I'm here to do it. I have fulfilled the law. I have come to make you clean. Why are you still following these rituals? What you need is me. The rituals were meant to guide us, but never to save us. This is what a legalist does. They they take the, the symbol of the law, and it's the intention of the law, which is meant to draw us to God and our need for his rescue, and then they make that law, though, their savior, that by following these laws, I will be clean before God. By doing these good things, I will be clean before God. And if you don't do those things, you have no part in God. And you have no part in me. And Jesus says, if that is you, you've missed the entire point of the Bible. It is not to be a good person. He sees our hearts. He sees that we are full of stain in our heart. If you had a piece of paper and you split it right down the middle, creating two columns, and on one column you write all the things that you do that are good to contribute to your salvation, all the ways that you contribute to your salvation by being good. And on the other column you head it, all the things that you do bad that contribute to your salvation or don't contribute to your salvation. The Bible says that in the column that lists all the things that are clean that contribute to our salvation, the Bible says that column is empty. Empty. And the other column is full, that we have actually done nothing to contribute to our salvation. There's no good that we have done. Do you realize that the Bible says that the valuable contribution column is empty? Every law from God, every statute and command, every word of God that he has ever uttered, Jesus says, only I have done what is good in God's eyes. And I will pay for your debt. And I will take your place. That's exactly what he does on the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The Pharisees thought that they were morally good. The Pharisees were padding that column with all of their laws. They created law upon law and regulation upon regulation. And Jesus says, not only are these not contributing to your salvation, but they are crushing you. You are being crushed under the weight of all of this religiosity and morality. 
but you are a moral mess. And Jesus rejected them. When you and I come to Jesus, when we come to God, we do not come as ones cleaned up and pure. We come as ones filthy and burdened by the world. We have to admit that. We have to come humbly to him, admitting our need for him and crying out in faith. And so what do we bring? If not our morality, what do we bring? We bring our filthy heart and say, God, will you clean this? God, will you wash me? God, will you purge the sin that is in my heart so that I could live in the joy of your salvation? And he takes us and he washes us with his truth. He justifies us and makes us right with God. He changes us and empowers us from one degree of glory to the next. He gives us his Holy Spirit and he says, I promise I will complete the work that I started in you. Come filthy and be cleaned by his grace alone.